The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is Friday. Happy Friday to everybody. February 3rd. Tonight, the Hawks will start the first night of a back-to-back out in Salt Lake City, where the All-Star game will be in one of your Hawks, who people are upset about here in Atlanta will not be in attendance this year. Trey Young was not selected as an all-star reserve this year, and it's definitely causing people to be in the uproar. So we're going to talk about that. That magnificent, complete team performance in Phoenix on ESPN National Television, the largest margin of victory in Phoenix for the Atlanta Hawks. And we'll dive a lot more into that game and take away a lot of the positives and the great vibes. And hopefully that carries over to Utah, especially defense, because Utah and Denver, the next two games, today and tomorrow, defense will be key in that defensive intensity and focus from Wednesday needs to be present in these next two games to split. That's the hope split Utah and Denver. So we're going to talk about that and some other things on this program. Uh, No trade deadline conversation right now. Uh, Rumors are rumors and nothing recently has come out. Um, And I haven't heard anything from behind closed doors about what's been transpiring as far as potential deals. Just the normal things. Who's available? You already know it's Bogey, John Collins, Justin Holiday. So, without further ado, we're going to talk about that great Suns win Wednesday night. And I said this. This is the most complete team performance for the Hawks of the year. One, because they were healthy. And two, because they played great on both ends of the floor. That is why... That win was terrific. Yes, there was no Devin Booker. But the Suns were hot. They had won four or five going into that contest on Wednesday night and actually had been better than that in games before that. But certainly it was a big win to go one and one on the West Coast road trip. You put on a great performance on national television. You had a season high. You shot just under 58% from three. That's a season high. You made 19 three-pointers, which was a season high. 32 team assists, so great ball movement the entire game. Another season high. And the margin of victory was 32 points, which is a season high. So your greatest team performance of the year. And that was needed. It was 100% needed. And a lot of the offense from the Trailblazers game carried over. But the attention to detail defensively was 
even more impressive than that. I mean, when you look at the numbers and you look at the team numbers, they were staggering offensively and defensively. It was just absolutely terrific. I mean, the largest lead was 43 points. The Hawks shot 57% from the floor and you hold the Suns to just under 41% from the floor. As I said at the top of the program, they made 19 three-pointers, shot just under 58% from three. The Suns only made four three-pointers the entire game. They were four for 28, shot 14% from the floor, from three. You out-rebounded the Suns. You had 32 team assists. The Suns had 22. You forced 16 Suns turnovers and scored 31 points off those turnovers. And you won by 32 points. So forcing turnovers, scoring off of those turnovers. They did well in the paint. 52 points in the paint. It was just utter dominance defensively. And yes, the Suns did not shoot well at all, but the Hawks defended. The key, as I said going into the game, battling on the glass, forcing contested jump shots, and as well as guarding the three-point line. Those are three big things that I talked about going into the game, along with ball movement, because the Suns are a really good defensive team. You accomplished that with 32 team assists. You defended well. Obviously, 4 of 28 from 3 for the Suns is not what they want. And just under 41% from the floor is not what they want at all. And you force turnovers, and you commit 12 turnovers yourself, but still less than the Suns. And this was even with the Suns getting to the free throw line 31 times and making 26 free throws. You still beat them by 32 points. Truly, this was the most complete team performance health-wise, offensively, and defensively of the year. It's not even close. And this is a great game to springboard you going into two hostile environments in Utah and Denver, two of the best home court advantages in the NBA. And that's historically, too. So just a great Great performance. Trey Young gets his 3,000th assist in his career. So congratulations to him. That was a great feat. Onyeka Kongu made his first three as an NBA player, which was arguably out of the 19 three-pointers, the biggest three-pointer of the game for everyone involved. And it was just it was just excellent to see. Excellent to see. I mean, you hold Chris Paul to three points. Mikhail Bridges, who has been playing great in Devin Booker's absence, he shot 6 of 18 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. He had 23 points. He went to the free throw line 10 times, but you held him in check. DeAndre Ayton, 20 and 9, he's going to get his. But outside of that, Dario Sarge gave you 11 off the bench. They didn't really get a lot of help from their team. I mean, especially from the three-point line. That was just excellent defense. And then the Hawks, on the flip side, had five players in double digits, but a lot of players scored. Almost everyone, almost everyone that touched the floor scored for the Hawks. I mean, you had Murray continuing his hot shooting. 8 of 13 from the floor, 
4 of 7 from 3, 21 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, only one turnover. Trey Young, 20 points, 12 assists, 4 turnovers, but still a good assist-to-turnover ratio. One steal, shot 8 of 17 from the floor, made all three of his threes. So efficient. Clint Capella, 9 points, 10 rebounds, and a steal. Hunter, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 6 of 9 from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3. One of his most efficient shooting nights he's had in the last 4 or 5 games. John Collins only gives you 9 points. But had three blocks. So he was solid. Uh, Congo off the bench. As I said, really good game. Really good game off the bench. 17 points, four rebounds, seven to seven from the floor. As I mentioned, one three-pointer made and hit both of his free throws. He also had a steal and two blocks. Bogey had a good game off the bench. Six to ten shooting from the floor. Four or seven from three. Efficient. Hit both of his free throw attempts. Three assists, two rebounds. Six from Jalen Johnson off the bench. He had a really good game. 17 minutes played, 11 rebounds, one assist. And A.J. Griffin had five off the bench. Justin Holiday had five off the bench his first minute since January, I want to say second. And he's been in trade talks. Aaron Holiday had five off the bench. And let me get back to Jalen Johnson because I know there's a lot of people who, and I was speculating on Twitter, I didn't know the inconsistency in Jalen Johnson's minutes. I mean, it's evident he doesn't get consistent minutes and people are rightfully upset about it. And I dug a little deeper, asked some sources to figure out, hey, what is with, you know, Jalen Johnson not getting, you know, minutes consistently. And so this is, this is new. And, from a, from a source internally, there is an internal gripe about his usage and his minutes. And there are people in the organization that think he should play more minutes. You know, especially playing alongside of DeJounte Murray when he's running the point. And right now, Aaron Holiday is getting those minutes off the bench running the point. And so that's the dilemma. Nate McMillan prefers Aaron Holiday because... Of familiarity in Indiana, and he does pressure the ball defensively, makes three pointers, and gives effort. But Jalen Johnson also provides energy and effort and pace as well. And so, right now, it's about Jalen Johnson outperforming Aaron Holiday. And there's some things that Jalen Johnson does that Aaron Holiday just physically cannot. So, I get the gripe, but you guys know. Nate, with young guys, it's about trust and about seeing consistency. And yes, you're right. If he got consistent minutes, maybe he'd be more consistent. So I hear you there. But it's about trust. So, And right now, management wants Jalen Johnson to play. They prefer a nine-man rotation that is Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Capella, with Bogey off the bench, A.J. Griffin off the bench, Akongwu, and Jalen Johnson. But that ninth man for Nate is Aaron Holiday because of an affinity and trust in the relationship that he has with Aaron Holiday from his previous stint in Indiana. So, and Nate McMillan reportedly is resistant to 
that rotation that management wants. So there is an internal strife between management and Naaman Millen about Jalen Johnson's usage, which is why it's not consistent. So if people want to blame Naaman Millen for something, you can blame him for that. You can 100% blame him for that. Because that's the digging that I found and that's what I've heard is why there is inconsistency there. I speculated maybe he's been thrown in the trade talks. Um, but that was not the case. It's more so philosophy and, you know, clashing of philosophies between management and Damon Millen. That's what it is. And fans have a right to be disappointed in that. And I get it. But in the end of the day, he's the one managing the team. And Jalen Johnson just has to continue to outperform Aaron Holiday. That's what it comes down to. Um, so I'm, I wanted to do some digging for you guys. So I'll put that out there. Um, next thing I want to talk about before the break is the uproar about Trey Young not being an all-star. I get it. He's had excellent numbers. The only player in the league with 27 points per game and 10 assists a game this year. Numbers are numbers. And people are rightfully upset when you look at the numbers and and think he should be an all-star. A lot of people are like, why Drew Holiday? Why is Drew Holiday an all-star over Trey Young? That's a joke, quote-unquote. Drew Holiday is also on a winning team and has dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, Giannis hasn't been fully healthy this year. He's been in and out of the lineup. No Middleton. Drew Holiday, and we've seen Drew Holiday do his thing against the Hawks this year. He has played exceptional. He hasn't been an all-star since 2013. He had the longest gap between all-star appearances, 10 years. He does deserve to be an all-star. Tyrese Halliburton, even though they have a worse record in Indiana than here in, and here in Atlanta, and without Halliburton, uh, Indiana has had a terrible record without him. He's played on an all-star level. Donovan Mitchell, you can't refute. refute. Jalen Brown is on a winning team. You can't refute. I wasn't surprised when Trey Young was not an all-star. Do I think he should be an all-star? Yes. I do think he's an all-star player in this league. He's an all-NBA player from last year. But I was not surprised, and I saw it trending in that direction, when I started seeing media personnel outside of Atlanta's predictions for the all-star reserves. And obviously... The votes, and thanks to Michael Green for correcting me on Twitter, are based on the coaches. The coaches make the the vote for the reserves. And this was certainly a message from the coaches in the league to Trey Young and how they perceive him. Players sent their message as well when you saw the breakdown of votes for the All-Star starters and what they ranked Trey Young as far as guards in the Eastern Conference. They ranked him 12th. And whoever they ranked 11th and 10th wasn't even in the standings as far as people who had the close enough votes to be considered in the All-Star game. And a lot of people were upset about that and want to blame everybody. Everybody. They want to blame everybody. Here's a here's a fact. 
professional sports is probably the only profession where a subordinate can have as much power, if not more, than the acting manager or coach. Let me repeat that. Professional sports is probably the only profession where a subordinate can have as much power, if not more, than an acting manager or coach. There's no other job like that in society. Even when people say, you know, when you go out and vote and people say, you know, the public officials, they answer to us. That's true. But there are also checks and balances that officials and government can intervene as far as policy and whatnot. Whether that's right or not, that's another topic for another podcast. But in the NBA, the NBA is a fraternity. This is a small community. A small community of players and coaches. It's like a fraternity. Coaches are a fraternity just like the players are. In the NBA. And in within communities, people talk. They're not isolated. Especially if you don't have walls up or if you're not a hard personality to get along with and have a conversation with. People talk. I'm going to be real. Do you think Nate McMillan doesn't talk to other coaches? Do you think the assistant coaches on the staff don't talk to other people? Do you think organization personnel... Don't talk to other people, whether it's media, whether it's other team personnel to share information as well as players. Do you think gossip does not occur in the NBA? It happens in the regular workplace. And here's the thing. There's no secret that Trey Young and Naaman Millen do not have the best relationship. That is no secret. It is documented. And from my sources, with the organization that are close to the organization, that is a fact. There's a disconnect there. Other coaches see that. This is not as reported, and but maybe it has been in some places, but it's, it's no secret that some players on his team aren't fond of Trey Young. You don't think they don't tell other players that? There's some people in the organization that are not fond of Trey Young. And how he carries himself around the organization and facility and so forth. You don't think they tell other people? Gossip happens. And if you do things the right way, your gossip will be more positive than negative. So with those narratives out there, inability with cell phones and other technology to communicate with one another. Especially if people are frustrated with how things are being handled behind closed doors or frustrated with Trey Young himself. Why else would the players and coaches perceive Trey Young in a negative light, which affected him being an all star? And yes, I, I do think he should be an all star. I mean, there were other snubs like Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, James Harden, Pascal Siakam. There's some other snubs out there. And those other people you can attribute to with, with Ant-Man, the record for the T-Wolves. AD, availability. Siakam, availability. James Harden, availability or perception around the league too. James Harden and Trey Young do play kind of similar. So, And, and it's not a, not a secret that people don't like his style of play as well. You can call them haters. You can call them haters. 
But there are some things that are just fact. That is the hard truth for some people to, to, to swallow. Talented player in Trey Young. Great numbers. But does it always translate to winning basketball? He's our star player in his career winning percentage with the Hawks. It's 451. That's below 500. You can attribute that 451 winning percentage to the franchise and decisions they made and the roster turnover, youth, um, a bunch of different things. But the fact still remains that stars, and if you're putting Trey Young in that star category, which he is, typically elevate those around them, which is something that I've been critical of that I don't see continuously with him in his play. And sometimes he gets caught up in matching points and hero ball in situations where we don't need that. But 451 winning percentage, that's a number. That's a, that, that's a fact. You can look that up. He was 18 and 14 at OU. He was ousted out of the Big 12 tournament, one and done. One game lost. Same thing with the NCAA tournament. He's more of a scoring guard than a point guard. And at times that can hurt the team he's on. Because of the shot selection and game management decisions, which can, needs to continually to improve as he matures in the league, because the talent is there. The talent is there. The numbers don't lie. He is a talented player. He's one of the best guards in the NBA. But when you couple his style of play with the news of his poor relationship with Nate and how his teammates perceive him, and you couple that with the way that he's officiated, which coaches and players do not like. Hell, Lloyd Pierce didn't like that. He out his own player in the, uh, the competition committee a few years ago. And like I said, players talk. And this was a message of how people in the league perceive Trey Young. Now, if you're Trey Young, you can take this as, you know what? I need to get better. I need to, I need to help my team win more. And you go out there and you you light a fire under yourself and that fire is contagious and goes through your teammates and it elevates them and the Hawks make a big run. That's what I hope. Or he can let that internalize him, not take onus, not take responsibility, point fingers, and then play more hero ball, which not always leads to winning basketball. These are the two paths that this can go. And I'm hoping it's the first thing I said, not the latter. That's a hard truth for some Hawks fans to swallow. They think everybody just hates Atlanta. Everybody just hates Trey. There's some merit to it. I stated it on this podcast. All of this is either documented or what I know from sources around the team. And you can just say they're hating, they're this and that. But the fact still remains that if multiple people are saying it, it has to be some truth to it. And now it's not, we can't change it. Unless there's an injury, we can't change the fact that Trey Young is not an all-star reserve. What can change is his focus and determination and make that determination contagious to his teammates and spur this team into the playoffs and make some noise. Because when you had complete team performances like you did in Phoenix on national television, you see what the product could be with this team. You see it. You got to replicate that and be consistent. Just like I said, he needs to be consistent in 
good shot selection and game management and involving others, just like we saw in that Phoenix game. They need to be consistent in how they play defense, move the ball, and execute the game plan game in the game out no matter who they play. And they're definitely going to need that tonight and tomorrow night versus Utah and Denver. So we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to talk about the Utah and Denver game. So you already know the drill. First, this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Hawks take on Utah tonight. That will be a 9 p.m. tip-off here in Atlanta. Utah is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're 18 and 9 at home. They're just a game above 500. And they're in the eighth spot in the West, just like the Hawks are in the East at eighth. This is a Jazz team that beat us earlier in the season. It was a very frustrating loss. Lloyd Markinen was a huge factor, and he's an all star um, in that game. The Hawks lost 125 119. When you look at the Jazz, the Jazz have been playing pretty good basketball as of late. They're 7-3 in the last 10 games. This is a Jazz team that is, they have the fourth best offensive rating in the NBA. They're fourth in points per game. But this is also a team that is not a great defensive team. They're 26th in the NBA in defensive rating. They're 23rd in opponents' points per game. So you can score points against this Utah team. They play great offensively. They play great offensively. They move the ball around. They're ninth in assist. They are a top 10 three-pointers made, attempted, and percentage team in the NBA. They get to the free throw line a fair amount. They're the middle of the pack in the league. They are a team that is susceptible to turnovers, so defense is going to be a big key in tonight's game. They're a team that guards the three-point line fairly well. They rebound solidly. But the key is that the Hawks have to play the same type of defensive intensity and move the ball around and take care of the ball 
in order to win. If you play like you did against the Suns, you can beat the Jazz. I'm going to keep it a buck. You can beat the Jazz. This is also a team that hustles. They play hard. They play for each other. And that type of intensity in fight is the Hawks have to carry that over tonight. Utah, the team that plays with a chip on their shoulder. And hopefully after the All-Star snub, Trey Young rallies the troops and they play with another chip on their shoulder after that great team performance and ride that into Utah. The Hawks should beat the Jazz. I'm going to be real. I don't care what the record says. I don't care what Utah's done. That is great. They have had a great season. They are exceeding expectations. Everybody put them in the Wimby sweepstakes this year, and they said, bump that. We're going we're gonna to show people that we have something to prove here in Utah, and I give them a lot of credit. I do. New coach, everything. I give them a lot of credit. No Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert. But the Hawks, if you play like you did on Wednesday night, you should beat this Utah Jazz team. You have more talent than this Utah Jazz team. Now, this Utah Jazz team plays team basketball. And we don't always play team basketball. So if you play team basketball like you did Wednesday night, that's the key. That There's no special formula. That's the key. That is the key. I talked about the Jazz. They are... 26 in the NBA in defensive rating. The Hawks have gotten better. They're 19th in the NBA in defensive rating. Now they're 22nd in the points uh, opponents' points per game. So defense still needs to be a focus night night in and night out. But it's an offense that has gotten better. The Hawks are now ninth in points per game in the NBA offensively, and they are 12th in offensive rating. They are improving slowly but surely. I talked about that the last episode. They're playing above 500 balls since January. But we have to play team basketball. This is a, a tough place to play. It's a Friday night. It's going to be a packed house in Utah. I'm pretty sure there's nothing else to do in Salt Lake City on a Friday night in February. So they're going to be there. So the crowd will be a factor. That's when you have to focus on the team. And get everybody involved and play team basketball. That is where when Wednesday's game is so encouraging because you saw the best case scenario. When healthy, when you move the ball around, when you play defense, when you go for loose balls and contest shots and communicate and have that continuity. We saw the best case scenario against a playoff caliber team in Phoenix who's one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, and you put up 132. The Jazz are not as good defense, defensively as the Suns. So if you play like you did against the Suns, you should have no problem scoring points. The key is, can you get stops like you did on Wednesday night? That's what it comes down to. There's nobody on the injury report. Nobody on the injury report for this game, for the Hawks. You're healthy. You traveled yesterday. You got to practice in. You didn't have to travel that far from Phoenix to Utah on a flight. That's good. Play like you did Wednesday night and just focus on the Utah Jazz game because that Denver game is going to come. That Denver game is going to be tough. 
That game is tomorrow night in Denver. So second night of a back-to-back. And Denver has the second best record in the NBA, the best home record in the NBA at 24-4. and Then the number one offensive rating rated team in the NBA, the middle of the pack defensively, the third highest net rating in the NBA. They're 13 and four since the start of the new year. You already know the drill. Jamal Murray, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, that's their big three. They've been playing exceptional basketball this year. Malone should be up for coach of the year. Jokic is the MVP candidate. And even though the Hawks beat them earlier this year without Trey Young, coming into tomorrow's contest, these are two different teams taking the court than what we saw here in Atlanta a couple months ago. That's going to be another tough, hostile environment that the Hawks have to deal with. But if the Hawks want to be a playoff team or be in playing game situations, and if they're not 7th, 8th, and don't get home court advantage, they're going to have to go into environments like this down the stretch to win games. Phoenix is not a super easy place to play either. And you, and you took care of business there. Portland is not an easy place to play. You barely lost. You played great offensively, didn't play great defensively. You flipped the page and you flipped the script and played better in Phoenix. So the key for these two games is not offense because the Hawks are clicking offensively. It's defense. It's getting stops. It's contesting shots. It's rebounding the ball. It's forcing turnovers. Denver is a team that will turn the ball over. So is Utah. So you got to force turnovers. This is also a team in Denver who moves the ball around well. They average just under 29 assists per game. That's second in the NBA. Jump in passing lanes. Get steals. They don't allow a lot of steals in Denver. They play really sound basketball, but you're going to have to play really good defensively. Really good defensively. They like to get into the paint and score, so rim protection is going to be key in tomorrow's contest. Whereas the Jazz like to shoot three, you're going to have to guard the three-point line well like you did in, uh, on Wednesday in Phoenix. So that's the it's no, it's no secret. It's defense these next two games. Defense is going to make or break these next two games. And I'm going to be real. If the Hawks can beat the Jazz and they lose to the Nuggets, and you go, and now you're going to be 2-2 two and two on the West Coast road trip, that's a win. That's a win. Obviously, you want to win both games, but the key is going 2-2 two and two in these two games. Playing as hard as you possibly can on the defensive end and let defense turn into easy offense if you're the Atlanta Hawks. So... It's going to be fun contest these next two games. Tough contest. There's going to be adversity. It's going to be tough. I'm excited to see how this team follows up their performance from Wednesday. Team basketball. We don't need hero ball. I expect Trey to try to go off these next two games and send a message to the league and players and so forth. But send that message through team basketball, not through hero ball. That's all that I implore. And that's the final message I have for this episode. So if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about one of the best sources of news covering the Atlanta Hawks. We get stuff first. It's just what we do. It's what we do here. 
So you share our podcast with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. Does not matter. Put them onto our program. Put them onto our Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself at Brad Jared67 on Twitter. That's Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-67. I expect some comments from people defending Trey Young. I will welcome them all and I will stand behind what I say. But the fact still remains is what I said is all fact. And now it's time for not us to respond, but for Trey Young and his Hawks team to respond. So I'm excited to see how they come out these next two games. And as always, let's go Hawks.